before we get into the teaching, uh, I'm just going to say real quick. Put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Cast all your fears aside. Run to his face. Put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He's made a way for you by his mercy and grace. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Cast all your fears aside, run to his face. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness he's made a way for you by his mercy and grace I was reminded of that beautiful beautiful chorus it just puts your focus on the right thing yeah that's yes, right it doesn't take much to quickly move our our focus and our faith from what we have in Christ to what is happening or what may happen or what we think might happen or what our brain says is going to happen or what our, oh, be still, oh, heart. <laughs> we are in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 6, the heading. We are still under the heading of warning against walking after the flesh. And that's verses 5 through 8. Warning against walking after the flesh. Verses 5 through 8. So let's jump to verse 6. And remember, this is under the heading of... It's a warning against walking after the flesh. So we are obviously talking about walking after the flesh. <laughs> Verse 6, uh, Sarah. Be carnally minded is dead. Carnally minded. Well, this is on your handout, by the way. You can see it. Uh, obviously, that is a super long Greek word. It's not exactly just one Greek word either. It's kind of like a few Greek words. And it's really long, so I'm not even going to give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> carnally minded. And it means literally the mind of the flesh man's plan. Man's plan for what? Man's plan for salvation. Man's plan to be pleasing to God. Man's plan to live a moral life. It's all about man's plan. It has nothing to do with God's plan. It's all after the flesh. And what you end up seeing is self-righteousness. Well, I'm doing what's right. <laughs> and you are. When I first saw that Bible card, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody ever told me that. A lot of times we just blanch over stuff like it's not that big of a deal. Hey, you know what? That's what they believe. Not that big of a deal. It is if they're an enemy of God. Yeah. If they're walking out the flesh and they're an enemy of God, I, I would have to say that that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm crazy. But I would say that, that that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're born again. And uh, it is also a really, really, it's just long. <laughs> you know what? Those two words, they are long. <laughs> it literally means the mind possessed by the spirit, which is when you think about that anytime that that word possessed, we see the word possessed and we're automatically like, whoa, it's a bed. But the word possessed is just, possessed is just a word. Yeah. 
you say someone is possessed by uh, obviously a bad spirit, then we're like, well, that's, that obviously it means negative now. But to say possessed by the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden that way sounds pretty good. <laughs> Thus the mind controlled or dominated by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always point to Christ and his finished work on the cross. Therefore, when we are walking after the Spirit, our focus is on Christ and the cross. And the Holy Spirit brings us life and peace. And that's what I need. I need life and peace. Everything else will rob you of life and peace. The only place that you'll find life and peace is the cross. Everything else will take it from you. Man's plan, religion, all that takes it from you. Because you constantly wonder, have I done enough? Does my good outweigh my bad? Because we all got bad. Just, we all got it. Other people might not see it. But we got it. And we know we got it. It's there. So, does the good outweigh the bad? Did I do enough good to outweigh the bad? But that's not how the scales of God work. That's not how the balances of the Lord work. There's only one way. Christ. And when you're focused on what He's done, and that you receive everything by grace, faith and grace, Faith in what Christ did at the cross. And now I freely receive the benefits of it. I didn't do it. He did it. Not my, not Tanner's work. Christ's work. I believe it. And therefore I can receive it. And it's free. Because that's grace. That's it. freely receive it. And when I do that, the Holy Spirit makes that real in my heart to where I legitimately feel like I am totally clean. Spotless. And there, the weight of sin which was once there is now gone. No guilt. Nothing. Oh, 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 you had to do something for that. I just believed. I just believed. Man's plan says that's not enough. You've got to do. If you uh, if you do do, if you set out to, if you set that was this funky. If you set out, it's a lot of do's. Man. If you set out to go man's way then it will say you have to do in order to receive. Yeah, yeah that's, true. that's true. And when you set out that way, you'll constantly wonder, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? And you'll find that you're not doing enough. So you just, well, obviously I need to do more. And then do more. And do more and more and other things and other and then before you know it, burden upon burden yeah. upon burden it's upon it's burden, yeah. and you're so weighted down, yeah. you're walking like a newborn deer. Yeah. <laughs> Spiritually speaking, you can't. You, you're exhausted. You can't do it, and you were never meant to. Christ did it for you. And when by faith you accept it, you find this is a good walk. Yes. This is a good, just walking with Jesus. Talking with Jesus. All along the way. <laughs> and then it becomes true. All of a sudden, you don't look like a miserable 
born again Christian, baptized in vinegar and sucking on lemons, as Brother Bob would say. That's how a lot of Christians walk. Well, I'm just suffering for Christ. What the And it's just, I'm just, no, this is just my part to play. Your part to play is faith. That's it. That's it. That's your part to play. Because that's the only part you can play. Because if you had any other part, sorry, mankind, I realize this is a shot to our pride, but if God gave us any other part to play, we would ruin it. That's it. We would just cause death. That's what we're good at. Everything that we touch dies. That's just how it is. Because of the fall. We just messed up. If God gave us a, the best, the only option that God had was not to give us a part, but to literally take us out of the equation. Yeah. Because we that we that messed up. I will admit that that doesn't exactly right at first. That does not that does not really make Tanner feel too good. <laughs> like what? But when I really began to understand it, I rejoice. Praise Yeah, thank you that she took me out of the way. <laughs> but man's plan makes it all about you. Brother Bob said something one time, and it was very powerful. And he said that he, I don't know if he said he didn't understand the message of the cross at the time. No, he didn't understand. He was in Bible college at the time. He did not understand the message of the cross. And he felt like the, the Lord, the Lord had told us something. I think it was the Lord had told him or something. And this is, we can get so easily fooled. We think something is the Lord. Yeah. And he said that the Lord had told him. He felt he felt he was in Bible college at the time. He wasn't a professor. He was in Bible college at the time, and this was like back in the eighties, I think, when it was like huge. And he said he was the Lord. The Lord told him that called him to a fast, and he said a fast, you know, a certain amount of time. I, I, it might have been seventy-two hours or something. I can't remember. Or a week. Anyway, let's just say a week. I can't remember the exact, but let's just say it was a week. And at the end of the fast, the Lord was going to reveal. Brother Bob said he felt like the Lord was going to reveal to him something about his grace. Well, Brother Bob wanted that. Right? Born again. If you're a born again believer, you would be like, yeah, heck yeah, I want that. <laughs> I want to know something about God's grace. I didn't previously know so Brother Bob set out to fast. And he would get up early and pray. I mean, we talk about a dedicated fast. He didn't eat, he didn't eat anything. He just drank water. Yeah. And he set out for this fast. And, and it was like the last day of the fast. <laughs> and he 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 he, <laughs> he said. He got up to 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 pray. I can be all these fast, and he got up to pray. And he said, "I was so hungry. I just could, I couldn't take it. I I I just had to eat. I was so hungry." He said, "I went across to the cafe. They had a cafeteria, everything, a meal plan at the time." He said, "I went over there. I got I got some eggs." He said they were. Of course, you know, cafeteria eggs. He said they were like neon yellow. <laughs> he said he ate those eggs. And he said after he ate, he was so defeated because he felt like I didn't make it. I didn't make the fact. Now God can't reveal to me what he said he was going to reveal to me because I, I, I didn't made the fast. I failed. He said he failed in the last like four hours. That's how close he was. And he failed. He said, I, I, that's it. And he was so, he said he was so, he was in class and one of the professors literally in the middle of teaching stopped and said, Bob, are you okay? 
Because he was just, he was so exhausted. And now he's just, he's already exhausted from fasting all week long. And then four hours left. And he, he, he couldn't do it. He ate neon yellow eggs. <laughs> and he was just so defeated and so heavy. He, he, he ended up making it through that. He said, I don't even remember anything from the day. I was just so down. And he said, I got to the, he, got, he said, I got to my room and I was just so defeated. And he said, later on, it ended up changing, it ended up getting, you know, getting a little bit better or whatever. And then when he learned the message of the cross, years later, the Lord reminded him of that moment. And Brother Bob said that he realized that that wasn't God. Because God works by, now that he knew the cross, God works by faith and grace. And that it's not, you don't get something from God because you do something. So, you, you, I didn't make the fast, but God wouldn't have given me the revelation of grace because I made the fast. God would have given it just because I believe. Yeah. And he looked back and he saw that was not God. And he went, but I don't understand. He said he asked the Lord, I don't understand. I, I, I wholeheartedly thought that was you. Because he, like I said, he didn't understand the message of the cross. He didn't know faith and grace for everything. And he learned right there that, man, we we just deceive ourselves. And he said, and now he understands he did find out something about the grace of God. Because he didn't make the fast. And God didn't love him any less. He still called him the same. He still, he, he just talked about where is that now. He said, I learned the message of the cross. <laughs> But he saw that he was operating in the flesh, carnally. He was carnally minded in that. And didn't even know a born again believer loves God with all of his heart and didn't even know that that's how he was operating on a daily basis. We So easily we, we can be deceived. I mean, so easily. Because let's be honest, fasting is biblical. Yeah. It is a biblical thing. And if you're a born again believer, you want to know more, you want to know more about the Lord. So because it's a biblical thing and it's a good desire, we say that's got to be God. But yet that's not how God operates. That actually totally goes against the cross. But yet, if you don't know, if you don't know that, if you don't understand the cross, you will fall into error. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, but isn't the baptism of the Holy Spirit, doesn't that give us, it does, but if you don't know the truth. That's true. That is true. Yeah. The Holy Spirit can only work within the yes. confines of the cross, yes. within the boundaries of Calvary. Yes. And he can't move in something you don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I went to electrical school. I did not, however, go to aviation school. I cannot just walk up in to an airplane hangar and know what I'm doing. Because I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about it. And we do the same, we do the same thing. But look, well, we got the Holy Spirit. We do. You have the word. My dad talked about it this morning. We don't even know, we don't even know this book. That's why we got some. Nonsense in the church. We got weird stuff in the church world. I mean, weird. 
Yeah. And people just, and, and then all you got to do is just say that's the Spirit of God moving and nobody wants to say anything because right. after all, one of the greatest fears that any believer has is they would, they would blaspheme the Holy Spirit because we see very clearly in Scripture what that entail, what that means. So we just get so afraid. All somebody has to do is just say, well, that was the Holy Spirit. So you're saying that wasn't of God and we just like, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, uh. Because we don't know the word of God. We don't know the message of the cross. We just hook, line, sinker. And if it, especially if it has something that's biblical, like fast prayer, well, that's biblical, praise to God. So it's got to be right, and that's got to be from the Lord. But, as we just seen, I gave you an example where something biblical ain't even a good desire. And it was not of God. But it said, he, Brother Bob said, it felt like the Lord. Our own flesh, we deceive ourselves. I, don't. It surprised me when I first learned this, but I can sound like the Lord to my own self. <laughs> I can, I can, my own flesh can sound and feel like the Lord. Especially if it's something that I want for my life. Well, let it be part of Tanner's will. Bring God out, Lord, I know that. <laughs> right here, we talking about. Right there, Brother Bob. You thought that was the Lord. Fasting, a biblical thing. And if he fasted, then what he would learn is a, more about the grace of God. Two things that are not wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yet, now... Looking back after understanding the cross, he said, I was being carnally minded. I was operating in the flesh, thinking that if I fasted, then God would give me something. God doesn't need you to fast to give you something. He needs you to believe Calvary for you to get something. Praise God. If you've ever fasted for an extended period of time, you would be the first one to say, Praise God! <laughs> Especially living in the South. We love eating. <laughs> oh, praise God! Amen. Alright, we spent enough on that. <laughs> Verse 7. Um, don't read it yet, I'm just going to give a little thing in there. Let me make sure that's right before I do. Yeah, okay. In verse 7, there, what we're going to see play out, there are two wills contrasted in verses 5 through 8. The will of the carnal nature and the will of God. The carnal nature will be independent of God's will, which consequently hostile to it and cannot be otherwise. Therefore, all who are governed by the carnal will cannot, so long as they are thus governed, please God, be they ever so religious, moral, cultivated, or noble. Hence, God rejected Cain's worship and offering. God said, bring a lamb. Abel brought a lamb. Cain brought the work of his own hands, the labor of his own hands. He brought food of the fruits and vegetables. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I said food, fruits of the field, vegetables of the field. All that would have been from his own labor. He would have tilled the land. Mm -hmm. Planted it, watered it, all of that. 
Abel put his lamb on an altar. Cain also built an altar. And then offered up his offering. Abel offered up what the Lord wanted. The Lord said, offer a lamb. Abel said, cool. He didn't say cool, but <laughs> and he offered a lamb. We know that the lamb is a type of Christ. Abel was accepted because the offering was accepted. Abel wasn't accepted just because he was good. Actually, it doesn't even say that he was. He was accepted because he offered the right offering. There's no indication whatsoever that Abel was better than Cain. Morally. None of that. It doesn't show any of that. The only thing it draws the attention to is the offering. Mm -hmm. Abel offered the lamb which God wanted. And Cain offered the works of his own hands which God rejected. So because he rejected the offering, he rejected Cain. Cain got upset. Because that's what happens when you're self-righteous. You just get upset when what you think you are doing is right, only to find out that God won't accept it. So if you're religious, that just kicks you right between the back pockets. Because it says, everything that you're doing is worthless. That's a tough pill to swallow. Let's just be honest. That would be tough. You mean all of this stuff means nothing to God? Yep. Only the lamb That's it. means something to God. That's it. So Cain gets upset, and we all know that plays out. Yeah. Because he can't kill God. So he'll just kill Abel. Religion will always kill. Flesh will kill the spirit. That's, true. That's how dangerous it is. Cain was carnally minded. And Abel was spiritually minded. Cain killed Abel. A carnally minded person will hate a spiritually minded person. Yeah, that is true. Because you're just offending them left and right, and you're not, you're not even meaning to. Because, like I said, you're basically telling them that everything that they do is worthless and actually means nothing, gains them nothing with the Lord, and actually makes them an enemy. Well, you're just mad because you're not as dedicated as me. <laughs> no, not mad at all. You're just blind that you can't see that you're in bondage and that everything that you do isn't needed. Yeah. It's already been done for you. Yeah. And the truth of it is that if that's the mindset, then you are saying that what Christ did at the cross is not enough. Anything that is not of God and used in the manner in which God has intended, in effect, creates a hostility towards God. The weapons being used to overcome sin and live for God, for a carnally minded person, are their willpower, ability, strength, efforts, laws, etc. They can also be using legitimate biblical principles. Mm -hmm. Such as prayer, fasting, confession, laying on of hands, etc. 
all of those things used are right, but used in the wrong way become wrong. To use biblical principles as a way to live free from sin, overcome sin, be right with God, gain favor with God, be pleasing to God, etc., is wrong. It's like a carpenter trying to use a handsaw instead of a hammer to drive a nail. It won't work because it wasn't made for that purpose. If you use something that is biblical in the wrong way, you, we, you're basically doing the same thing. You're trying to use a handsaw to drive a nail. And uh, if you've ever tried that, it uh, is no bueno. It doesn't work. <laughs> It will not work. Uh, Brother Sid, have you ever tried to drive a nail with a handsaw? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't because the hammer wasn't around, it just wasn't the closest. <laughs> it doesn't work. It does not, it does not work. <laughs> that word, enmity. hostility. People who are carnally minded are fighting against God. They are setting themselves against the plan of God and they don't even know it. They don't even know it. They have no idea. And they most of the time are so deceived that they believe that they're actually working with God. And what they're doing is right, but yet they're, it's backwards. They're, they're actually living in hostility towards God because they're going their own way and not God's way. Their own plan, not God's plan. Uh, the next part. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Simply means that whatever is being done is not in God's prescribed order of victory. And therefore presents the person not going God's way, which generates hostility, whether intended or not. The law-minded person thinks they are pleasing God, but instead they are fighting against God. That is a... I remember when I first saw that after, after the revelation of the message of the cross, and then began to see that in people's lives that were born again believers, not you know, talking about people that aren't born again and saved. People that were born again believers and saved, and they were living a certain way, and a, a lot of times, moral, moral lifestyles. Uh, it would look good on the outward. Everything looks great on the outward, but yet, it's just a bunch of laws in their own life because they do want to live a moral life. They want to live a righteous life. They are born again, after all. They have the Spirit of God on the inside of them that wants to be pleasing to God. But yet they're controlled and dominated by a law and it's just bondage upon bondage of, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. I need to live right. I need to do this, need to do this, can't do this, and can't do this. And praise God, I do it, and they don't. Because you'll be constantly looking for the person that doesn't do it. Because they are not sanctified as me. They are not as spiritually mature as me. In all reality, not knowing that uh, it's you. You're the one that's not spiritually mature. You're the one that's living in enmity with God. Yeah. And you think that you're being pleasing to God by not doing certain things or doing certain things. I'm more pleasing to God because I pray every day. You're either pleasing to God because you're in Christ or you're not in Christ. That's it. Yeah. Praise God that you have a prayer life. But it doesn't make you more pleasing to God 
than the next born again believer. Well, I'm more righteous, more sanctified because I do this. No. It's either all in Christ or none. Well, I, and we, we dis, I'm telling you, we deceive ourselves so quickly with anything, anything that appeals to the flesh that makes me feel better about me. Well, I would never. I do not go see rated R movies. I can't believe they would do that. The only thing I heard was me, 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 me. Well, praise God, because you don't go watch rated R movies, you're going to have a better place in the kingdom of heaven. No. In all reality, you're carnally minded. Now, what I'm not saying is that go watch all the movies you want to watch. That's not what I'm saying. And a lot of times, if someone is really carnally minded, then they'll take that statement yeah. and they'll just yeah. twist it all up. Well, Brother Tan Pastor said we can go watch all the Raider on movies. We won't. No, no, I didn't say that. Because remember what Paul said. All things are lawful, not all things are expedient. If you go watch a rated R movie, that will not be beneficial to your walk with the Lord or your faith. But it does not make you less pleasing to God. Because you become pleasing to Him by faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. Faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary. My, if I, I don't, I, I personally don't, but if I watch a rated R movie, it does not all of a sudden make me outside of Christ. Yeah. I got in my faith and I don't get out because I did something or didn't do something. Yeah. I got in my faith, I stay in my faith. And, but we just, because it just appeals to the flesh. It makes me feel good about me. And really, it just makes me feel more righteous than the person that does watch it. And now I'm just operating in relative righteousness. I'm righteous compared to such and such. Compared to so and so, I am more righteous. I'm righteous compared to Sally Sue. We all know what she does on the weekends. <laughs> Jim Bob back there, he always sits in the back pew. Backsliding in the back pew. All backsliding to the back. We all know that. Backsliding in the back pew. And he sits back there because he's got to go take a cigarette break at least twice during the service. We all know that he is not as righteous as everyone else in here. Now, we giggle and stuff, but we'd also all be lying if we haven't had that thought process. Maybe not to that extent. But to see a born-again believer light up a cigarette or whatever, we're like, oh. yeah. See, but they're going through the same sanctification process you are. And last time I checked in my own life, I have not arrived to Christ's likeness. There are things in my life, they might not be so obvious as a cigarette, but there are things in my life that don't belong, and they are not Christ-like. And the Lord's trying to get that. He's trying to deal with that. 
Just by this example I've just given you, self-righteousness would be dead. And but yet I can easily look at the cigarette and go, and the Lord's looking at me saying, carnally minded. At enmity with me and self-righteous. That you think you're better because of something that you do. But if that's the case, then we'll be judged from our first breath to our last breath on what we do. Bad news for us. Bad news for us. I hope I'm, I know I'm kind of spending a little bit, but I want to get, I want, to, want you to really see it. I want to really paint the picture clearly that it's easy to spot the obvious. But I want you to see those things that we get fooled by a lot of times. Yeah. And listen, what's well, righteous indignation? Not just self-righteousness. <laughs> righteous indignation. No, that's self-righteousness. Mm -hmm. The word subject. Uh, you have your Greek word there, and it me it actually uh, it means actually a military term meaning to arrange in order under. God has a divine order, and all believers are to come under that order. The carnal mind is not a humble mind; it doesn't submit to the processes of faith and grace. It says, I must do my part. I must do it and I can do it. I do not need the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I don't need the finished work of Calvary. I will offer up my own thing. I will overcome my own way. I will achieve Christ likeness by my own methods. Now, no one would ever say all of that. Ever. I'll just tell you right now, those words would never go out of someone's mouth. But they believe it in their heart. But they won't say it because, my goodness. Now, I just said it, which is like, and we all very openly, all I can see every head shaking. Fool, that fool. <laughs> but. People operate like that on a daily basis and we never see it. We can't tell because they're never going to say, I don't need the finished work of Calvary. I don't need the help of the Holy Spirit. Actually, the whole time they're doing it, they'll say the Holy Spirit led them. The Holy Spirit is helping. Oh, I'm trusting and depending. I'm trusting and depending in the Lord. That's why I pray. But I've got to pray every day. I've got to do. And then if you're a minister and you're actually operating that way, you'll preach that message hard. Mm -hmm. I actually heard about this. I didn't actually see it. Heard about it. And uh, this is a, actually just a perfect example. A minister who's been on mission trips before, and that's a good thing, and nothing wrong with no mission trips, actually preached and from behind a pulpit said that everyone needs to go on a mission trip. And that if you didn't, well, you can see where I'm going. Whoa, bro. See, because it's all about what you do. Yeah. That's a carnally minded man. I'm not saying he's not called to preach. I would not say that. I don't know that. And you can be you can be a believer and be carnally minded, which means you can be called into ministry and be carnally minded. But the problem is, if you are, you will just cause death in your congregation, not life. And God will do everything to deal with you about it. That's why you, the message of the cross, the teaching of the message of the cross is so important. Because yeah. ministers don't know it. And because they don't know it, they ignorantly give death to the people every Sunday morning, yeah. every Sunday night, every Wednesday. 
every Sunday school. See, if I present it to you this way, it looks way different. Every youth service, every children's church, death, 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 death. Now it's no longer just no big deal. Well, you know, that's what they. Well, obviously, that man thought he was better because he went on a mission trip. And then if you didn't. God was less pleased with you. If the Lord told me to go on a mission trip, I'd go. But he hadn't told me. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. If he tells me, I'll go. But by right now, he hadn't told me. For those that have gone, praise God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Look, be with them, Lord. Yeah. And for someone that hasn't gone, I have no less thoughts towards that person. Praise God, the Lord's with you on your daily, in your daily walk, every day. That's it. Yeah. Go ahead, Dan. Well, I wanted to just comment and you say example, and I think that was such a good example, because uh, what happens is that whatever it is that we're called to do, whatever our passion is, no doubt that that man's calling was to missions and was mm -hmm. passionate about what he does. Somebody else might be a soul winner, evangelist, that type of a thing where they go out, they win souls, other people's callings, they're to teaching the word of God or so many different callings, so many different ways where people serve and they're operating. What happens is, is when our focus is on what we're doing, yeah. yep. then we begin to compare ourselves with others. Yeah. And if we see somebody who doesn't have the same passion for what we have passion for, it's easy to get into that self-righteous mode and start thinking, well, they don't care about souls half as much as I do. I don't know what's wrong with them. Right. What we're really saying is there's some, we don't say it like yeah. you were talking about. We don't say it. Right. But, we never you know, or, you know, or we might be prayer warriors and, and, and really God's called us and led us to do that. But then when we start looking and focusing on what we're doing, then we start comparing. That's a really good sign, right? About if you start focusing on yourself, you start comparing yourself to others. When you start comparing yourself, you start weighing the scales, and you find yourself better. You know, it's funny how we never compare ourselves the other way, though. We never look at what other people are doing better than us. We all well, that, that's because that does not appeal to the flesh. <laughs> That does not feel the self. That make you feel bad. <laughs> yeah, that I, I, the Lord called me to Bible college. The Lord has not called everybody to Bible college. And just because somebody did not go to Bible college, I don't think anything less. And I don't view myself as better just because I went to Bible college. I'm thankful that the Lord brought me to Bible college. And to me, one of the things that I think about, and you probably laugh at this, and I guess I kind of laugh at it too when I really think about it, but. The Lord probably hadn't taken me to Bible college because I'm an idiot. I'm not just dumb. I, I'm not, I just, he had to isolate me from everything, back me in the corner where I had nowhere to run just to get me to stop long enough. Praise God, God's going to use you in a greater way. He calls you to Bible college. He called me to Bible college because I am dumb. And I'd rather run then submit. So he took me to the backside of a desert. So I had nowhere to go. Now I wouldn't say that makes me better. That makes me harder to deal with. I can't, the Lord just simply said, I can't deal with him right here. I need to take him and bring him to the back, to a wilderness with 
nothing around, no other influences, no other voices, so I can get his attention because otherwise he will not listen. Welcome to Tam Pastor's life. <laughs> not better. Not better. And I wouldn't trade one moment of that wilderness. WBC, World Evangelism Bible College. We did not call it that. We called it Wilderness Experience Bible College. Because all you have is the Lord. Yes, you got brothers and sisters in the faith, but you find out very quickly that although they are brothers and sisters, they can not help me. We need one another, but we also need to realize very quickly that at the end of the day, the only answer is the Lord. Yes. The only answer is Jesus. Yes. Well, the inst my dad taught this not too long ago in the book of Luke, and I just it just it was honestly just the other day I saw it like this. I didn't see it this way before. I just saw it the other day. Uh, and I kind of thought about it and everything, you know, just let that roll around in my heart, my spirit. I think it lines up with the message of the cross. Christ is the source. That man that had a demon-possessed son, he would have tried everything. He would have gone to all the wrong sources. And he even went to the disciples. But yet, that's still the wrong source. Yes, it is. Yeah. Only Christ was the source. So the disciples failed to help the man because they weren't the right source. Right. We as believers, we go to disciples. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Not the right source. The pastor of the church, he's a great guy. I like him. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not the right source. That's right. And the only thing, if he, the only help he can really give you is to point you to the right source. Right. Right. And if he does that, he's a good pastor. Yeah. If he does it, he's a bad pastor. Yeah. <laughs> he's a bad shepherd if he doesn't do that. Yeah. And he doesn't really care about the flock. He just really cares about how much you think he is great. Because he holds the answer to all of your needs. Praise God. God has appointed me shepherd over you. And I hold in. No, no, no. He is the source. So he, the, the man didn't get, get it from the disciples. Because they weren't the source. And that's what he needed to see more than anything else. The right source. Amen. And when he got to the right source, I know he found exactly what he had needed. Hmm. Okay, verse 8. Oh. Yeah, verse 8. We're going to finish this. And then we'll, that gets us into another section next time. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Faith pleases God while the flesh displeases God. The flesh basically speaks of man's frailty, inability, and weakness, even impossibility regarding spiritual things. Inasmuch as humanity has fallen, that means that within the flesh, man has nothing good, can do nothing good, and cannot come up with anything which pleases God. The whole idea is that if man tries anything within himself, whether believer or otherwise, God simply cannot accept it. Yeah. It's not because he hates you, <laughs> but he can't because it goes again. If he accepted it, then it would go against his justice, his righteousness, his holiness. It would violate all that. And God... God will not violate any one of his characteristics to fulfill another. 
right? It's true. Yeah. Well, one of the problems, and my dad's hit on it before, you know, my generation is all about love. God's love. Love, 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 love. God just loves everybody. Loving, he just be loving everything. And even if you sin, don't worry about it. He loves you. And we just blanch and look over, go in another direction in God's way, yeah. and all these other things. And it really doesn't even matter what you believe too much because God just loves everybody. It doesn't even matter if you're really born again. You just, just as long as, hey, I mean, my God, your God, it's all the same thing, right? We just need to love one another because God is love. And the only problem with that is God won't fulfill one characteristic and break another. So, yes, God is love, but he's also holiness, righteousness, justice. We just go down the list, and there's a bunch of characteristics there. So, if your interpretation of one characteristic of God causes another characteristic of God to be broken, then you have the wrong interpretation. My generation has the wrong interpretation. Yes, he is love. God loved the world, Jew and Gentile, the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever do, oh, I'm sorry, believe, <laughs> he gave. His son. Now, that's all it says there, but he died in our place because of our sin. Well, God's love. That doesn't mean he just blanches over sin like it doesn't even exist. Actually, he didn't do that. He couldn't do that. That's why the cross had to happen. That's right. That's right. So because of not understanding the cross, we don't have an understanding of love. Love for us is what, what, the tolerance. That's one of the things my dad said this morning. Tolerance and just, it's cool. Everybody, man, it's cool, man. Like hippies. <laughs> I mean, it's cool, bro. And that's what love. That's God's kind of love. No, God's kind of love says you're a sinner, and if you stay that way, you will die. Yeah, that's true. But I made provision that you might be saved. But you're going to have to believe this, which means you're going to have to believe that you're a sinner and that you have sinned and you need a savior. And then after that, you're going to have to believe that you're all squirreled up and you need some help. And I can't accept you like that. But what does that do to the flesh? Yeah. It hurts the flesh because I've found out that I'm horrible and just unworthy and all these different things. But that, and you can sit there and soak there and stay there if you never just reach out and accept the answer. But when you see the answer, then now I totally understand. Blessed are those that mourn. Mourn over their sin and rejoice over the answer. That's it. Right. That's it. Yeah. Pray. And then all the other beatitudes. Yeah. Alright, let's get through this and then we're going to read here. This is one of the reasons that God hates self-righteousness to such an extent because it originates with the flesh i.e. man's self-efforts, self-will. As the flesh keeps much of the human family from coming to God, likewise the flesh is the greatest hindrance to the believer. The temptation is always very heavy to add something to what Jesus has already done or to take away from what he has already done or to substitute something else altogether in its place. However, no matter how consecrated such an effort may be, it does not please God, and in fact cannot please God. 
For a particular time in Paul's life, which we saw in Romans chapter 7, he attempted to overcome sin with the efforts of the flesh, his own willpower, ability, law, etc. It didn't work, and it displeases God for his children to attempt such. Paul learned that every effort by the flesh, no matter how, no matter how well motivated, how well intentioned, how loaded down with scriptures and religious effort only tend to make the situation worse, with sin even more pronounced. Uh, Romans 7, 15. Now, this is not the context of it, but it does apply. Uh, we will do the exact same thing with do work, doing working for the Lord. We will, because it's a good thing, we'll load it down with scripture and say, the Lord is with me, when the Lord hadn't taught you to do that. Yeah. But because it's a good thing, we just deceive ourselves. Well, obviously, because it's a good thing, obviously, that's what the Lord wants for me. No. That doesn't mean that. And we'll just deceive our own selves. We'll just load it up with scripture. It'll have good, it'll have, our intentions aren't evil. Per se, but that's where we don't understand evil. We think evil is well, evil, <laughs> outright <laughs> evil, and God doesn't view it that way. Evil is anything other than His word. So, with well-meaning intentions, I'm going to work for the Lord. Like I said, the Lord has not called me to go on a mission trip or anything as of right now. But if I decided on my own, because after all, it wouldn't be a good thing. Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go on a mission trip. I'm going to go to Africa. I'm going to go on a mission trip and have my intentions are not evil, not bad. They're not, they're not bad. And it even seems good and looks good and, and praise God, I'm going to work for the Lord and I'm going to Take the gospel to the, and it all seems real good. But the problem is, God hadn't told me that. Yeah. So what I'm doing is stepping out of the revealed will of God for my life. Do you know that that was one of the, that was one of the temptations that Christ faced in the desert? Yeah. To step out of the revealed will of God. Turn, just turn these stones into bread. You so hungry? Could he have? Yeah. But see, God didn't tell him to do that. So if he would have done it, he would have stepped out of the revealed will of God, which would have mean that he would have sinned, and he wouldn't have been the spotless. See, so we just think it's not that big of a deal. But God views it as sin. Yeah. Stepping out of stepping out of the revealed will of God is sin. No matter how good it looks to you. What? This class is happening not because we came up with this class. Just tell you right now, this class did not exist until the Lord said, yeah. Do it. And then it wasn't just to me, both of us. We felt like the Lord said, Do it. Then the class happened. If we would have not, if we would have not heard from the Lord and we would have started the class, we would have stepped out of the revealed will of God. Even though it's not bad. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I'll just tell you right now. That is a modern day, if you, if you just follow me here, that's a modern day leprosy through the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Be good with it. 
It's not bad to have something. Did God tell you specifically? And if he told you, guess who else he's going to tell in the church? <coughs> the pastor. Because after all, God operates in order and the pastor is who he has set over. If I would have went to my dad and just said, the Lord told me to teach this class, and he didn't feel like the Lord told him to teach the class, then guess what he should do? I haven't heard from the Lord, so. And I can huff and puff and get all upset, and maybe I really did hear from the Lord, but until that man does, it's his duty to not. Otherwise, he could be setting a course of death and destruction. And if the Lord really did speak to you, then we're going to speak to him too. And then that helps because we need all the confirmation we can get sometimes. <laughs> what Jesus did at Calvary completed the task of victory and deliverance over sin in totality. Nothing can be added as nothing need be added. In fact, when we try to add something, we are insulting God. Everything we need has already been done by Christ. So why do we insult him by attempting to do it all over again ourselves, which is impossible anyways? Congratulations, we have made it through firsthand. <laughs> Next week, we will start in verse 9. And the heading will be the quickening power of the Holy Spirit. That'll be good. Can't wait for that.